when you have a home in there, right, and you have a resident that's there, that is a year-round predictable income stream. I mean, there are uh, groups and organizations and memberships that you could be a part of that gives you information about different things going on at different RV parks throughout the country. And we're back on the Mobile Home Park Exchange podcast. I'm your host, Frank Rizzo. Joining me is my partner, Eric Busatil. We're so glad to be here today. We're so glad that you're joining us uh, today on the Mobile Home Park Exchange. This is the source um, for mobile home park information for community owners, uh, for people who are looking to get into the space You come to the Mobile Home Park Exchange where we're exchanging ideas and we're talking topics. We're talking issues that affect uh, the owning, the operating of mobile home park communities. And today we're going to talk about an issue and and it's something that Eric and I really kind of dove deep into um, during our last purchase, we, we acquired a community in uh, Troy, Alabama, community called Walnut Creek, beautiful, beautiful site, 70 acres, uh, 11 acre lake that's on site. And um, in addition to having manufactured, you know, manufactured homes has a small piece of park model homes, but also has an RV component. And as a matter of fact, the community was originally built for RVs. So as we came in and we looked at this park, we love the market. We've been there. We love the site, you know, just the, 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 the bones of the site, the setup on the potential opportunity that we have in there and in, in developing that site out. This community has 11 acres of undeveloped land overlooking the lake, right? And so the question becomes, what is better? Is it better when you have a community and you're developing out, is it better to develop it out for mobile homes or what's the advantages of doing it for RVs? And we can make the case for both, um, but you can only do one. So Frank, I just want to elaborate, guys. Um, This is community number uh, 17 for us. And in the last eight years of us doing business, obviously went out there, you know, looking for new communities, you come across RV parks, right? Um, Every broker that we've dealt with that, you know, knows we're looking for mobile home communities, they're they're always sending us RV parks thinking it's, you know, one in the same. Um, And up until now, um, we've passed on all of them. This property was uh, something that came to us and it's a... uh, it's definitely a great property for us to um, dive into or tip our dip our toe into the the RV space because it has both. Um, like Frank said, it's a, it's a beautiful uh, layout. Not knowing the RV space and now purchasing this property just from first glance, the um, the the lake itself, uh, the ambiance of the park. Everyone that has seen the park, including myself at first look, it is built to be an RV park. And, and like Frank said it, you know, in the uh, in the 50s and 60s, it was a booming RV park. And over time, it, it kind of developed into uh, both. And there's, there's still currently RVs on site. 
There's primarily mobile uh, manufactured homes on site, but there's still RVs on site. And, you know, we're the, we're the first people to uh, have this park uh, after the, the original owner and his family have had it over years. And it's kind of, you know, just uh, developed into this new mix of mobile homes and RVs. And it's a huge property. We are weighing out the pros and cons of, of whether or not we should, um, you know, uh, push a little bit more forward towards the RV or continue to do what we, we typically do, uh, operate it as a manufactured ho- housing community. I, I think that, that spells it out great, Eric. And I know we've had a lot of conversation and we've looked at a lot of different data, right, essentially to see which way uh, which way to build out on this, right? So we know, um, we, we understand the market and know the housing shortage that, that is there, um, but it does have facilities for, for RVs. Now, in looking at developing the vacant land that's, that's already established, you're going to get less mobile homes, right? The sites for the manufactured housing going to be bigger, right? Their necessity is that they have to be bigger to, 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 to fill for the homes. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that, you know, when you, when you have a home in there, right. And you have a resident that's there, that is a year round predictable, right. Um, income stream, right. And that is a, a year round predictable, you know, operating mechanism for us. Well, it's, it's just what we're used to, Frank, right? And and that is the reason why we've we've never took down an RV park that's came our way. It's because we're not RV uh, operators, or we haven't been RV operators up until now. Um, and and you know, one thing that I've learned, you know, in my um, in my digging and research about you know RV parks and mobile home communities, that you know y- you have to keep them separate. Right. And, and I think what what this, you know, uh, property has done over the course of time, naturally, it's it's kind of mixed it up a little bit. So so I think that we have to you know separate the park, uh, make sure one section is going to be RVers, one section is going to be uh, manufactured homes. And I think the size of the property is going to allow us to do both successfully. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, is from from what I've what I've researched and what I've been told by people who have been involved in RV spaces is that, you know, RVers do not like to be uh, up on top of manufactured homes. And, you know, manufactured homeowners don't like to be uh, in a position where they're constantly getting bothered by RVers, right? Um, you know, in this particular space, we have this lake that, you know, we, we currently have a, a big section of, you know, waterfront RV spots and it's just, it's just beautiful. If I was going to take my family down to somewhere and I want to be in a picture perfect setting, I mean, this, this would be the spot. That part, um, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with because those are pull through lots. Um, they wouldn't be uh, long enough to fit in a home. Um, and I think, Part of what we're doing on site right now is separating the the housing, right? The 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 manufactured housing from the RVs from the park models, right? So so this way you could kind of set up different sight lines and you could set up, you know, different sections of the community that will attract 
the type of uh, the type of person that that's going to want to be in each, right? Because they are different. They are different business models. So, so I think if having it together, it's almost like, Hey, I'm going to serve, uh, I'm going to serve hamburger and then I'm going to serve, uh, you know, I'm going to serve spaghetti, right? It's two different things. And, and one thing that sparked my interest uh, into RVers or RV parks is um, over the course of uh, the pandemic, right? Um, I'm sure everybody, you know, uh, remembers this and, you know, travel became, you know, uh, a, a not to do, right? Traveling internationally uh, became a not to do. RVs, you know, started to boom. I believe currently there's 11 million RV owners uh, nationwide. And, you know, during the course of the pandemic, if you wanted to buy an RV, it was extremely difficult to get your hands on an RV. And, you know, traveling came back home, right? Even for myself, right? I wasn't getting my family on a plane to go to another country or an island not knowing what was happening. And, uh, you know, people wanted to stay local. And, and this, is a, uh, this is a good means to do that. Um, I think since the pandemic ended, uh, people started to travel again. However, with, you know, the cost of everything, inflation and just the overall economy, I think RVing is going to be a, uh, there's going to be a, 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 dr- a tremendous growing demand to keep travel local um, and you're going to see uh, RV RV facilities come back uh, with a vengeance. The only ch- issue I have with that is that sometimes you'll see, you know, when you have, you know, when you're related to travel, um, that could be economically sensitive, right? And then, you know, your occupancy rate there, it could either be seasonal, right? There might be seasons where nobody shows up, right? Because the weather isn't, um, accommodating or, or whatever, or there might not be events in that local area, anything to drive people into that spot. Um, and, and I think, you, you know, just statistically, you have a larger vacancy rate, right? In RV, even if you're very well run, right? You could be at, you know, 55% occupancy f- rate for an RV park is phenomenal, right? So that means for a lot of times you're going to have some downtime, um, which could impact or seasonally impact your cash flow. And, and when you speak about seasonal RVers, seasonal RVers are RVers that tend to stay in a property for a few months out of the year. Or, right? or, or weekends. Or, 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 or weekends. I think, uh, you know, another growing demand, uh, and I believe there's something along the lines of about a million, million families uh, currently living in RVs. And uh, this is something that I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't know what position uh, I want to take on this totally because it depends on the type of RV a family's living in, right? Uh, and we do have some some longer term RVers living in in our community. Is you know you're you're you know again with um, you know people retiring and um, uh, you know the cost of living gone up so much. There are families now living in RVs, right? And again, I don't know what position I want to take on that because it really depends on what type of RV, the size of it um, is is efficient for a family to be living in an RV long-term. So that, that that's another great point. You do have people that are, that are transitioning out of housing for affordability to live in RVs. But the question becomes, what kind of amenities are you going to be able to offer people who are in that, in that position, right? Or do you have, um, 
you know, you got you have to run a, a laundromat there on site, which could be a profit center, but obviously something that has to be ma- manned and managed, right? Uh, you have to have additional facilities out there, whether it's public restrooms um, or other amenities that you might not necessarily need, right, in a manufactured housing community, because that is all encapsulated in the person's residence. So there becomes the additional amenities and then the different, the, the, the additional cost of having the staff, um, manage and maintain those, those facilities. But, but Frank, that's, that's, you know, that's going to be the case in a manufactured housing community or an RV uh, community. I mean, amenities always comes into play, right? And, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's comes down to running the business, right? Who are you trying to attract, right? If you're trying to attract families, right, you have to provide them with good amenities, right? Uh, one amenity that we we have as an advantage of an RV park on this particular site is, is the lake. Um, you know, and this isn't just a, you know, a typical tiny lake. This is a larger, beautiful man-made lake. I believe it goes down, you know, 20-something feet or so. Uh, there's all types of fish in there. This is just one amenity that we happen to have that, you know, an RVer would love, um, you know, uh, playgrounds, uh, uh, washing centers. I mean, th- these are all amenities that, you know, whether it's a manufactured housing community or an RV community, uh, these these amenities are what, what assists you in determining on, on the success of the community, you know, regardless of, of what type of property it is. I, I, I could agree on that point. Um, but one of the challenges that, that you find, and, and listen, I know RV, the RV franchise or the idea of the RV park has grown over the last, I'd say about 10, 12 years, right? Kind of all of a sudden it sparked a boom. I think since the great recession and people were looking for cost effective ways to, to still vacation or take their, take their families away. And now you have the pandemic, which also created another big, big boom in that, in the RV space. Um, but I, I, there's still, um, when you're comparing traditional financing options, the financing options in the RV park arena is is limited, right? You have you have less financing options if you're owning, you're going to own and operate that community. There might be something that you're looking at because not every uh, lender, right? It's you're already in a niche space with manufactured housing. As you go deeper into the RVs, you're in a niche of a niche, right? So your lending options become. Um, become a little bit less, right? And and I think you'll find that, you know, maybe the SBA loan might be a program that's available for you. But if you're not looking for an SBA loan and you're looking for a traditional uh, lending platform, that could be that could be a challenge for you or, or could be a challenge for operating it longer term. You know, wh- I guess one of the big things we've gone and, and discussed um, in in the setup of that new space Let's let's call it what it is. I mean, this is a property that is a, a very well-known property to the RV community, and and there is an RV community. Um, and if you're an RVer, um, and I didn't really I didn't know much about this in, until we purchased this property. I mean, there are uh, groups and organizations and memberships that you could be a part of that gives you information about different things going on at different RV parks throughout the country, right? And, you know, in, in speaking to uh, people that actually uh, live in the community of this property that we purchased, 
whose family has been here for years. Um, I mean, so many people we've met uh, are family of the prior owners and, you know, have stories to tell about this. And this this goes back to these these organizations that have, have to do with these RVs is that, you know, when the summer comes, it's it's not always the, the property owner that's, you know, putting together things to draw people to these communities. Um, there There's these organizations that, you know, they travel from place to place and they plan stuff at your place based on your amenities and based on where you are. Um, and, and just with this property in general, it has, I believe, uh, 400, uh, th- 350 to 400 uh, RV sites set up already. I mean, some of them need some upgrades. And, you know, for this particular property, being that you know, the, the infrastructure is there already for these RVs. It's cost effective for us to try to utilize uh, where these RV spots are. So, so the one thing though, that, that we're doing, and I would highly recommend for anybody um, who has an RV park or RV component in their manufactured housing community, um, you have to run it separately, right? And there's, um, there's, a couple of companies that do this and we're utilizing to give somebody a free plug. We're usually utilizing camp spot. But when you speak to people who do RV, um, it is, you know, there's difference of connections, right? Do they, do you offer Wi-Fi? Do you, what kind of, what kind of ampage do you have? What kind of connections are available and what slots are available? Right? So it takes some time and you'd be surprised of how many communities aren't do, do, do not have online access. Right. And when people are looking for a spot to park their rig, right, they want to be able to plug in quickly and know what's available and what sites available. And it's easier. It's, you know, when you're going in there and they have to make seven or eight phone calls or they could just go online and they could plug in. Right. So that's one thing I think if you're running an RV community, I think that's something that's super important to know what slots are available, to know what um, options are available in that slot. I think people, you know, that's something that the, you know, is a necessity for people to have. And you have to take the time to do that. Um, if you're going to run a successful RV community, um, but in developing out that, that additional, uh, vacant land, um, I, you know, I, I go back to, you know, while it might be a little bit more capital intensive to develop a manufactured housing site, you know, in terms of the roads have to be done on an RV park. You can, you can, you can have a gravel roads and a beautiful RV park, right? But if you're going to develop out a vacant land for more manufactured housing, you should be putting in paved roads, right? There's no excuse for not doing that. Otherwise you're not really giving the, 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 the resident, the expectation or the experience that they're, that they're striving for, especially if you're going to bring in new homes. So there's going to be a more of a capital um, infusion on the uh, upfront. But I think at the end of the day, um, the market is valuing the manufactured housing community higher than the RV park on the exit, right? So if you're beginning with the, the end in mind, I think your exit um, on the, on the manufactured housing community from an equity perspective, perspective would be higher. Thank you very much, Frank. And uh, <laughs> One thing guys that I want uh, everyone to take from this is that there is, um, you know, these are, these are two different types of properties. 
Um, however, a lot of people perceive them to be, uh, you know, one in the same. They are, they are not. They're different. And one thing that, you know, we are doing uh, in this particular project is we are spending the time, spending the money to plan properly. And I think that is very important, especially when you are taking on a, uh, you know, a large um, project like this. Even a small project. Yeah, I, don't, I don't. I don't think you should not plan if the project is smaller. A, a, absolutely, spend your time in planning. Uh, you don't want to spend twice. You know, and and I see people doing that often, where you get out there and you you know you spend some money on roads, and then you realize, hey, I should have you know uh, put this section of the property over here. Uh, just spend time planning. Do your research. Do your homework. Uh, surround yourself with people uh, who've done this before ask your questions. If anyone has any questions regarding a situation like this, you can find us at the MHP Exchange. Um, I thought this uh, topic was uh, super helpful. It would have been super helpful uh, for me, uh, you know, several years ago when we first started here. You know, part of doing this and the, the reason of doing this is the exchange of information. So um, a great topic. You know, you're going to see right now. I mean, and we're already seeing a lot of the communities that come to us are now blended Right. Um, and so there is an advantage to doing both and there's different operating mechanisms for both. Um, but you can do it. You could do it successfully. We actually have a second community that we're buying that also has an RV component. We're excited to add that in to what we're doing. And we'd love to keep you guys abreast as to what happens and we'll let you know what's what's worked and maybe some of the things that where we we ran into some challenges so we can all get better going forward if you have any questions that you'd like to that that you'd like to have us answer you can reach us at the mhp exchange there's a link down below we appreciate the time thank you eric for uh being part of this and we appreciate you listening to the mhp exchange thank you everybody